We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. All right, here we go. Shana Jack, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank, thanks for doing this. A long time coming. I know that uh, I was I was bugging you all the way through <laughs> your um, you know your your drama and your episode that you were you're dealing with, and uh, yeah. you know you've come out the back end of it now, and we're able to talk. So I appreciate you doing yeah. this. No, of course. Yeah, definitely hard to have those conversations when I had a lot of rules back then. So now it's um it's all yours. Whatever you want to know, I'm here. <laughs> Well, uh, listen, I just watched the Australian story and, and I know that was recorded probably a while back, but if anyone is able to watch that and hopefully I can put that in the show notes here, because I think it's just a valuable, uh, it was really well done, by the way, it, it kind of cut off before some of the stuff came to light as well, you know, the, the new stuff, but in terms of like the timeline, I just felt mm -hmm. like they did a really good job with that. Yeah. Um, so, so that's awesome. So I'll, I'll try and put that in the show notes if people want to watch that. Um, but let me just start by saying there's no doubt in my mind at all that you didn't, that you, that you knowingly took a banned substance. Like there's no doubt in my mind, you know what I mean? Like that, that's not even a question for me. So I just wanted you to know that up front. Thank you. No, I think it's definitely been a lot of the messaging I've received, you know, I guess, partway through my process when I was quite open and honest with people about what I was going through and, mm. and, you know, how the actual process works. And once I started educating people on, you know, just how scary these things can be and, and actually the depth of, you know, what they actually look for in athletes and how much um, they can actually find an athlete and then accuse you of being a drug cheat. Um, I think people started to actually understand that that justice system is quite uh flawed and actually needs to be updated or at least um you know have some sort of better education for athletes and actually the public because you know i don't think the public had actually ever been through watching something like that uh so i was quite overwhelmed with how much support i actually started receiving um throughout the process and more towards the end of the process um so you know anyone who backed me and actually stood by me was definitely well appreciated because mm -hmm. it was a very difficult situation for myself and my family and everyone who is you know directly involved um so we're just really glad that i was able to get through that process and you know clear my name and actually have that you know 
publicized in a way of I actually fought for my reputation and and didn't let anybody tear that tear that down or take that away from me because that mm. was probably my biggest thing with that. I, I didn't appreciate yeah. some questioning my character. Mm. I think that's the thing I took the most from watching you and going through that process is that this happened to the wrong person, not, not, not in the sense that, that you did, that you didn't, you know, yeah. in the sense that they picked on the wrong girl here. You know what I mean? Oh, like you, you were, fought for yourself, yeah, you know, like you stood up and fought. One, uh, yeah. If they thought it was going to be, you know, someone who just backed down and, and threw yeah. their hand there and yeah. couldn't be bothered going through the process, mm. they definitely picked mm. the wrong person. Um, mm. And, you know, look, the process taught me a lot about myself and a lot about the strength that I have um, for myself. And I've definitely learned from that and actually taken that on board to now be a, a spokesperson for myself and other athletes and, and uh, you know, allow people to come to me if they have any questions about, you know, situations they might be dealing with and challenges they're facing because, you know, I'm more than happy to speak up and, and help them and help them actually have the courage to speak up. Most people, when they go through an athletic career you know they go through normal ups and downs but when they look back on their career is basically just a series of fast swims slow swims good swims yeah. bad swims uh, things yeah. like that but you've got this chunk of time in your career where you where it was just taken from you how, how does that make you feel that that's part of your story and part of your identity look i actually had I don't know where this question came up once, but um, my family and I actually had this conversation one day about whether or not if I could take it back, would I actually mm. completely strip it away? And and I actually thought to myself, you know what, I wouldn't change it. You know, mm. the situation itself, I wish that that wasn't the actual situation that I had to face and have to get accused of because there's no way, you know, now before in the past would I ever do something like that and intentionally take a prohibitive substance in sport, right. let alone outside of sport. Um, but the lessons that I learned and the person that I became and my value for swimming and, and the abilities that I have in the pool, you know, a second to none now. When I race, it's like I've got nothing to lose. You know, I've had that time away from the sport and so my appreciation for the things that I achieve in the pool you know, when it's training, when it's things with Dean, when it's, you know, racing, I am overwhelmed with emotion a lot of the time mm, because mm. I just, I'm so proud of myself and so proud yeah. of what I've actually been able to achieve. And again, in such a short period of time of my return, um, I just think that there's nothing that can really stop me now. The other thing that I was super impressed with with you is, is something that Kate Campbell said, actually, in terms of like... <laughs> Um, when, when she was commenting on the story itself and, and she kind of had to come out and defend you as, as a friend, which was great, yeah. I thought. But um, she basically said that, you know, you, you have this real thick skin and that you were able to take <laughs> in, a, you know, you were able to like at least see the negativity but not absorb it. Like a lot of people would yeah. kind of let it sit in them and, and, and kill them in a way, right? But you you seem to not let it do that to you. Sorry, stop it. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it, and, you know, for Kate to come out and actually defend me and actually do what she did uh, yeah. made me quite emotional when I actually saw that coming out because I had no idea that she had done that. So it was completely, you know, something that she felt was right for her to do and, and Bronte also did the same thing. So for mm. them to come out and support me publicly was, you know, such bravery and such courage. Um, but for me personally, it was just such a uh, a moment of, 
support and value in the swimming community and as a friend for them. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things that I had, especially at the beginning, so much negativity, so much mm. hate, mm. so many people telling me that I'm, you know, uh, I should be ashamed to be an Australian. I'm mm. useless. I, you know, I had people telling me to kill myself. So uh, to get those kind of messages and have never dealt with that negativity before, I had a lot of people supporting me to make sure I didn't absorb that information. I had a lot of people, you know, doing a lot of that mental uh, teaching to make sure that, you know, I know who I am. I know my values. I know what I represent. What people who don't know me say is irrelevant because they don't actually know me until you've had a conversation with me and gotten to know me and gotten to know what I stand for then I don't believe that you have the right to tell me who I am and what I am. Um, so I think that was definitely something I took on board. And if anyone who I actually personally knew and who actually had met mm. me before had said something, I can tell you now that hurt, mm. but I didn't actually come across that uh, frequently. Um, and I ensured that I, I never let that get to me. And I ensured that I set my sights on getting through that um, whole process and, and getting at the other end, to be honest, alive. What about the alone times? Like it's it's great when you've got people around you and you, and you can run into those conversations and people can put their arm around you, things like that. But then you've, you've got your alone time, where, whether it just be time where you close the door of your bedroom and you go to sleep, <laughs> but, you know, those hours there, like you've still got those thoughts in your head. So what's the self-talk during this time? It, did it fluctuate with you? Oh, it definitely fluctuated. Um, yeah. It was... I think the best way I've explained it to anyone in relation to what I went through, it's I had two years of uncertainty, right. two years of not being able to plan my future mm. or know my future. So it's mm. not even like I could start planning, you know, my life outside of swimming because I didn't know if I would have a life outside of swimming yet because I was hoping to go back. Yeah, I think so Dean it, called it a death sentence. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was very <laughs> much one of those those moments where, I felt very trapped. I felt like nobody knew who I, how I felt. Um, and I can say I isolated myself. I stopped going out with friends. I stopped going to my partner's hockey because people would constantly ask me questions about my situation. I felt like I lost a bit of my personal identity during that phase because no one actually asked about me. They always wanted to know about the case. Right. It was always what's happening with the case, what's happening here. Mm. Like it was never... Hey, Shana, how are you going? Like, what's been happening? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so my life was completely consumed. And so I started isolating myself and actually giving myself more alone time, which became quite a negative factor for me personally. Um, mm. I struggled a lot with um, my, I, I actually got um, professional help and they diagnosed it as reactive depression. Right. Um, I would constantly try and find the positivity because that's just who I am. And then something would knock me down again. I would be back to square one and trying to dig myself out of a hole. So look to me, getting off a couch was a success each day. If I got up to feed my dogs and take them for a walk, I was being resilient. If I mow the lawn or if I, you know, went to the gym, those things to me were just a Light, just like for me, was just showing a glimpse of resilience. Um, you know, to other people that might be an everyday task, but to me, it was just a start. Um, and so that self talk had to basically be trying to, I guess, in a way, win. It was a it was a game of winning. 
you know, and I'm I'm someone who loves to win. I'm not someone who likes to lose. So yeah. in the end, the game yeah. was me proving my innocence and me standing up for my reputation. I wasn't going to let these corporate bodies, WADA and Sports Integrity Australia, dictate who I am as an athlete. I'm not a drug cheat. I never took drugs that actually, you know, intentionally in any way. So yeah. they don't have the right to take away my career for four years. And I was never going to stop that fight. Um, yes, there were days that I wanted to throw in the towel and give it all up because I felt like I was constantly being kicked down. Mm. But that's where those days I had people around me to remind me that I'm not a person that gives up. So why start now? Right. It, it's very clear studying the case that that there was some type of contamination with with some supplementation mm -hmm. of some sort, right? Like, and and mm -hmm. when I talk about contamination, we're talking about like, you know, a speck of contamination mm -hmm. in in yeah. a supplement. But what's your thoughts on supplementation now? How do you feel about it? <laughs> Look, um, so in the end, we were able to narrow it down to more of an environmental contamination, not oh. actually supplement contamination. So oh. that was the, yeah, that was the final. Um, explanation because of where i was and and the timing of everything so how would that end, have happened like what, what what how would that take place so say like potentially in a gym other people using equipment and not yeah. actually wiping it down so this was right. pre-covid now after covid everyone's very clean and likes to make sure they clean up after oh, themselves God. which is great That's but unfortunately we were using a public gym literally yeah. like uh the day i was tested i was using right. a public gym just before yeah. going and doing that test so yeah. Um, there was high, like it was, that's why it was put on the probability scale and they were able to lean it towards, there was most likely, um, a environmental contamination that actually wow. made that result happen. Um, mm. whether it was, it went through my body and actually came out that way or whether it was on my hands as I was actually giving the sample. Mm. Um, so that was really, that was actually a tough pill to swallow because it was very, it was logically clear that I didn't do this intentionally. And that was very frustrating because, you know, they had the reports that said it would have come into contact with me within two days prior to the test. Mm. And it also said that it would have been gone the next day. So nowhere in there was I using it to a benefit of, you know, my performance. Nowhere in there was I competing. Nowhere in there would have had a like a positive effect on my body in any way. And and again, that was in the report as well. So I think the the state was that it was it was pharmaceutically irrelevant. So it had no effect on my body at all. Um and to kind of hear those words during my court process was one of those moments of like are you serious <laughs> like everything I'm yeah. doing now was because of you know this substance being in my body and it wasn't even something that actually was logic like there was no logic behind it I don't know I think that's even worse though like if, if it's a contamination through a supplementation of some sort it's like all right I'm just not going to take supplements but like yeah you got to go to the gym Definitely, yes you got to go lift some weights. So. Yeah. So it was actually a scary moment last year. We actually went back to that Cairns gym mm. um, and Dean could see my anxiety rising prior to actually going on this trip. And I was very yeah. open with him about how nervous I was yeah, um, and how fearful I was of things repeating themselves. Um, mm. I, I didn't want to ever go back again. No. Nah. Uh, but you know he was with me every step of the way he actually we got there on a wednesday and we usually have wednesday afternoon off so dean actually said look come with me to the pool by, by yourself let's go through the moments together and let's do a session together by ourselves 
so that you can just feel what you have to feel um, and not feel any pressure on any way. So look for him to do those kind of things is, is why he's, you know, one of the most amazing coaches I've ever met. Do you wear rubber gloves now? Look, I actually did up in <laughs> during that during that time, but again, I I can't live my life in fear. You know, yeah, yeah. If it honestly happens to me again, then my goodness, I'm one of the most unluckiest people <laughs> in sport. Like when I broke my hand, I thought, <laughs> what else can happen to me? Like seriously, yeah. surely I'm about to win the lottery. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, have they changed the rules? Has, has things changed at least? Like, has it gone from like a speck of something can you know, destroy your career for four years. Has it, has it changed since you've gone through this process? I don't believe the actual processing has changed. But again, with the Peter Ball situation coming out, I do think there is now more of a public and athlete athlete push for them to make a change. I think there's a lot of people now. Public, yours, like yours wasn't public enough? Oh, yeah. Well, look, I think, again, that starts it. But it yeah. needs, it can't just be me alone. You know, unfortunately, it does take more than... Ooh, does take more than one situation where they're showing that this is not a fair process. And, you know, this recent situation has just proven it again, that yeah. the process is, is it needs an update. Um, yeah, you know, sure. based on that Australian story you mentioned, you know, the expert had explained that they're now testing to the fact that they could find one sugar cube in 50, 50 meter swimming pools. Like, yeah. Which, which doesn't make sense. Right. Like, like we all know caffeine. I don't know why my microphone's messing up again. Um, we all know caffeine is a stimulant, right? And so they give you this allowed amount of caffeine because they're like, well, everyone drinks coffee. It's a stimulant. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna positively affect your performance. So people drink coffee, but then yeah. they give you this allowance of like, okay, you can take twenty four cups of coffee, which is a <laughs> a ton of caffeine, right? Yeah. So it's like, why is it that just a speck where you could touch something and and then you know wipe some sweat off your face, and then all of a sudden you're contaminated. Why? Yeah. Why is it that that's the case? It seems like it really needs an upheaval, doesn't it? It definitely does. And look, I do understand from a lot of the the less the sorry the research that I like saw and and got um, from the whole process. Hmm. Look, there is cases of micro doping which is taking fine amount fine amounts over a long period of time. Hmm. I had never heard of it before. And, and that was actually something that Dave tried to accuse me of. Um, but in the end, it, it is one of those cases of you need to, there needs to be some sort of, if they're going to test that finally, whether it be like a three strike rule of if you come up positive with a minute amount, they test you frequently. And like, it could be daily, like we're yeah, they're yeah. allowed to do whatever they want. In the end, right. we're part of their process. We put our whereabouts every single day. We have a 60-minute time slot that, they're, that they can come and test us whenever they want. We don't have any clue what days they're going to show up. Mm -hmm. So if someone did, you know, have a minute amount show up, why wouldn't you just start regularly testing them? And then if you start seeing more signs of that, then that's when you have more evidence to actually go after them in the sense that they are doping. Yeah, um, right. But I don't think having that one-off case in my situation where it's a minute amount that had no effect on my body, that that's a case that you can drag an athlete out of the water for two years mm. and, you know, drag me through all that scrutiny, the the financial stresses. Like I lost over $180,000. That was yeah. my life savings. And now I can't yeah. just magically click my fingers and get that back. That's what I was going to say. Like a lot of people understand like naturally, okay, yeah, you fought for yourself, but like you actually went in and I don't think people understand the depths of the fight that you went into is like you had to basically 
individually take everything around you and test it individually, which costs thousands of dollars for each individual sample to be yeah. tested, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it was, it was the, um, like it was because we started finding more information about this substance, which I had never heard of. Again, apparently it was a black market drug. So it's not meant to be in Australia at all. So mm. having no research on this new substance because it's new and also then having knowing, like knowing that it's not actually meant to be found in Australia was one of those things that you think, well, where am I meant to look? Oh, it was definitely um, at the local gym then, that's for sure. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you know, there was so much research around the fact that potentially cancer patients use it because it is something that helps mm. with recovery. Mm. Um, you know, it's obviously in a horrible way to say it's like marijuana. It's illegal, yeah. Yeah. but people still have it. Right. Um, right. So that was really scary to even, you know, I would be potentially out and about one day and I'd have a person be like, oh, my husband takes that drug that you were tested positive to. And I just think, oh, fantastic. <laughs> like, great. let's stop throwing this drug around because it's obviously <laughs> very easy to find in, a, in an athlete. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was one of the toughest things I've ever faced. And, and as you said, it wasn't just the fight itself. It was the emotional, physical, financial, you know, that whole every aspect I kind of faced in a two-year period, even when it comes to like, you know, my own personal image of, you know, body comp, those things that I faced and and watching myself change in that way and, and not having direction in life, it's a very scary place to be as a human being. Do you think you'll get to the point before your athletic career ends where you say, I'm done talking about that, like I'm, I'm over it, like I want to talk about my athletic career now? Like is that, do you think you'll get to that point? Um, it'll always be part of my story. And I think everyone's yeah. always going to want to, uh, you know, reflect on it. I right. do think it'll get to a point where no one will give a shit what actually happened during yeah. that moment, but they'll actually be like, look how far you came. And for right. me, it will always right, be, right. look how far I've come and, and look what I've actually faced during my career and continue to progress and show resilience and overcome adversity. Mm. Um, you know, not just in that case, but then, you know, coming back and going to the World Championships to break my hand, it's, it never seems to make it, I never make it easy, apparently, um, <laughs> to start Dean. Um, so, you know, one day it'll be a great book is all I'm saying. Mm. It will be a great book. It'll, it'll be a great movie, maybe, you know, we can turn oh, the book into a movie. Documentary, uh, here we come. <laughs> who would you want to play you in a movie? Oh, look, to be honest, I'm a massive fan of Blake Lively. And if she can represent oh, yeah. my goodness, I'd yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah, it that would be, be nice. Great boost to my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. Good pick there. Um, we, we've mentioned Dean's name, Dean Boxall, a couple of times. And, and yeah. look, I've got a fairly vast American audience. And the <laughs> only, really, only thing they really know about Dean is he's the guy at the Olympics who was you know, thrusting, shaking the railing and, yeah, shaking the railing and, yeah. uh, and, and acting like a clown in their eyes. Right. Yeah. Like, cause they only saw a split second of it, but tell mm -hmm. us about Dean. Who is Dean? Oh, Dean is the most amazing man you'll probably ever meet. Um, oh, sorry. Other than my partner, I have to throw that one in there. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Dean is Dean's family to me. Uh, yeah. Again, after everything that I faced, he was there every step of the way by my side. You know, he couldn't be there as a coach, but he was there as a support network and always there for me. Like I remember calling him at 2am in the morning, just bawling my eyes out, telling him I couldn't do it anymore. And, um, mm. you know, he was that guy that, knew exactly how I work and knew exactly what would get me going again. Right, so he, right. you know, he thrives off that kind of thing. Um, 
I think he's the one person I've met that has so many athletes with so many different, you know, talents and different strokes and different abilities and different lengths. And yet he knows how to get the best out of every single one of them individually, mm. but actually make them work as a team. Mm. Um, you know, he doesn't just throw us all in the deep and expect us all to do the exact same thing, the exact same way. He knows how we think and actually takes the time to work out, you know, what makes us work, you know, what works for Arnie or Ariane Titmus does not yeah. work for me. We're, we're two different people in, in the way we mentally take on things. Mm. And he, he makes that work. Um, which I think is, is very rare for a coach to be able to do. Um, and not only that, his passion to see us succeed is phenomenal. Like yeah. anyone who saw that railing situation was, that was him not even knowing he's on camera. That was just right. pure joy for the fact that his athlete and someone he's, you know, seen grow up with this dream has just mm. achieved that dream. You know, that dream doesn't just come for her. That dream also becomes his dream. He puts so much work into making sure, you know, she's getting the best out of every day and how he can help her get the best out of every day. He's doing that, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at different people's times or working out where she needs to be each day or what she needs to do. He is that guy who is always picking you up whenever you need it, um, which is, you know, no one can ask for anything more. Tired of settling for less than the best with your team's dryland program? SwimStrong Dryland is the answer you've been looking for. With world-class dryland programming for every age group, customized to fit your team's needs, nutritional coaching and education centered on the latest evidence-based research, leadership training and character development to promote an athlete-driven culture, sports psychology education and mental skills training, coaches' corners to promote collaboration, data-driven performance analysis, and an unrivaled family of athletes, coaches, and teams, Fast Swimming starts here. Former swimmers looking for a way to give back to the sport in New York City? Reach out to Imagine Swimming. Since 2002, they've been the premier learn-to-swim school with international and American staff, including Olympic champions Anthony Irvin and Eric Venn. Imagine Swimming offers infant to adult classes, plus competitive team options, water polo, and an artistic swimming club coached by an Olympic silver medalist. With flagship locations across Manhattan and Brooklyn, Imagine is always looking for the next generation of swimmers to pass on their knowledge and passion for swimming. I've known Dean for many years. So the, the part of this question is not coming necessarily from me because I already yeah. know the answers to the, some of these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I know this stuff, so I'm dragging it out of you. But I will say this, like I, I do believe that people would um, suggest that Dean's not for everybody, right? Like everything you just described there was like, oh, I want to be coached by that guy. Like I want, <laughs> I want that guy, you know, but, but the reality is Dean's not for everybody, right? Because he, he does demand excellence and that's really difficult for some people, isn't it? Yeah. So he, he, I guess the way him and I've always talked about it and the way I've always viewed it is he is willing to give you 100% if you are willing to give him 100%. If you start lacking, if you start dropping, if he starts seeing you not commit to the dream that you claim that you want, why should he waste his time on making that a reality if you're not actually going to commit to that dream? Mm. Um, so you have to be the one who steers the boat and steers the ship and he's just the one who's helping with the sails, I guess. Mm. <laughs> he... Yeah, he is a very, um, I, I would say he's tough. He is a tough, he is a tough person. Um, and he also requires a lot of trust. You know, if you're someone who doesn't trust people and doesn't open up to your coach well, 
and actually allows him into your life, you're not going to always get the best out of him. Um, I trust Dean with everything. I tell him absolutely everything. Probably things I probably shouldn't tell him because it might be more private things in my life, but he knows it because then that means he can get the best out of me each day. Is that what he's looking for? I guess like so, so he, like he's a master coach. Like he, he's on a different yeah. level. So some people would be listening to this and think to themselves, "Well, that's that's overbearing, or that's this and that." Mm. What Dean's looking for is those parts in your life where he can either manipulate it so that he can still manage to squeeze every ounce of of, of possibility out of you, right? Yeah. So it's like you're telling him these things, and he's like, "Okay, now I've got that information." To, say, to, to pick her up in this instance or, yeah. or press yeah. on her in this instance mm -hmm. or whatever it is. He's he's looking yeah. for that emotional connection to say, this is where she needs me the most. And it's so yeah. it's not just always like he doesn't understand me because, you know, no. you get that a lot with miscommunication, yeah. right? Yeah. So for him, it's, it is all about communication. So if, for right. an example, my partner recently made the Australian hockey team and he then had to move to Perth to be part of that program. So... Mm. We've lived together, sorry, been together for seven years, lived together for five. So I've always had him by my side for most things in my in my career. Um, and so this person who I've, you know, been very, like, reliant on and very close with for my emotional side of things was gone. Um, wow. And so Dean needed to work out how to, you know, it's so close to Paris. We've got Paris trials, you know, Olympic right. trials next year. He needs to be able to ensure that he can manage my emotions and manage, you know, potentially I'm not always going to be emotionally in tune with things and emotionally involved. But if he sees that, he can then pull me aside and have that conversation and be like, look, you know, do you need to talk about anything? And if I'm quite emotional, upset, he actually knows how to get the best out of me in that session. It, it's right. kind of crazy. I've been bawling my eyes out to him before in a room. And in the end, I do one of the best sessions I've ever done. Um, right. And that's right. him him listening to me and him understanding how I feel and him also acknowledging that that's normal and that there's nothing he can do to change that. But what he can do is get the best out of me in that session and push me to make that Olympic team with my partner. And that's mm. the goal. And he can mm. set that goal then for me. Mm. He seems to be at an elite level of coaching where he wants, he wants his athletes to be the best in the world. Right. And, and that's, that's a rarity. So but what do you think it is about Dean that makes him want that? Like, what? Why? Why is is there something that he feels like he's missed out on in his life that he wants that the best for you? Yeah. So not many people know, but Dean actually was a swimmer growing up, and he was a talented swimmer. Part yeah, of we Kiara. raced to get we raced against each other. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah, <laughs> he was actually you know in the Queensland Academy of yeah. Sports, and he was. Yeah. He was quite talented. I believe Michael Bowl actually coached him for mm -hmm. a stage mm -hmm. there. And um, yeah. and he threw in the towel. He um he gave it up and he he definitely has said to me before that he's regretted that um decision because he mm. actually doesn't know what he was capable of and he'll never now know what he's capable of. He'll always brag now that he could probably beat me in a 50 freestyle, but let's be honest, he couldn't. Um, no, not anymore. No, those days are over. <laughs> we can always try that one day. But, um, yeah, he, he doesn't want us to have those regrets. He wants to make sure that if we decide to walk away from the sport one day, that we've done absolutely everything in our power to achieve that dream of whether it's an Olympic gold medal, making the team, or just actually making a junior team. You know, it depends on the athlete and depends on what their goals are. Some people just want to enjoy swimming and he's happy to, 
make that happen. Um, and, you know, for me, when I came back, you know, I set the goals that I wanted with him and he was, he was ready to go and he had that fire in his belly and, and we're on the road. So um, it's very yeah. exciting. One of the things I, I know about him for sure is he, he's very protective of his program, especially <laughs> in the lead up to an Olympics, right? Like we're, we're one year out of the Olympics. So out of respect yeah. for him, I want my audience to know, I'm not going to dig into his program yeah. with you. I yeah. don't want to know that <laughs> stuff. You know, that's between you and him in terms of that. The only thing I really want to know is why are the Australian female sprinters so dominant right now? Like why this, there's like, there's like a, a 10 of you that can go 52 in the hundred. It seems like. Yeah, look, it's, it's super exciting. Um, and it's, it is one of those things that um, it's the hardest event to be part of at, at this current stage um, mm. in general, whether it's male or female, it's the hundred freestyle is the hardest event to be successful in at the moment because there is such a depth in uh, that event uh, and I do believe it comes down to the fact that we have each other to compete against you know mm. I think you know one person sets the bar the others are you know trying to catch that and then and then replicate that and then once someone gets there it's it's just a constant um, a constant game of you know I guess cat and mouse uh, mm. and when you've got something to strive for you've got something to work harder for if you, you know, say if I was winning 100 free by, you know, two body lengths, I, you know, potentially mentally you'd already kind of switch off because, well, you've got it in the bag. You know, it's one of those things that you feel like you don't need to keep pushing. You don't need to be hard, push harder. You don't need to change your times in training because you're already the best. Mm. Um, whereas you don't know who the best is. They might win one day and then the next day it's somebody else. So right. I think that's the most exciting part about the 100 free is that it's anyone's game. And um, yeah, it, it's really exciting for the 100 freestyle girls and especially for that relay. You have one of the best uh, training partners in the world right now <laughs> with uh, Molly O'Callaghan, right? Like, it, yeah, he, do you two go up against <laughs> each other every single workout or is he does he manipulate it so you only really get looks against each other a couple of times a week or something that's all hush hush dean would not want me commenting on that oh, one. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. i definitely no um it definitely is one of those things that you know it's it's a it's a positive for us we get to push each other and and constantly expect the best from each other and dean always says if he could have it anyway he'd want us to tie and i guess at the recent nationals we were pretty bloody close with 0.01 yeah um but yeah for us it's you get to compete against the person that uh you know for me i'm a front end sprinter swimmer and she's a back end swimmer so put us together and you've got the best competition yeah let me ask you this then. Are we going to see a female swim 50 seconds in the 100 freestyle within the next 18 months, you think? Oh, let's hope so. <laughs> I definitely look, I definitely think it's uh, not something to rule out. I think that uh, our women's freestyle group, that you should never put a, um, I, get a I guess, a, a boundary on it. I think that we're mm. always striving to be better and always striving. And, and I guess that world record is something that, you know, I hope all of us are striving for because it's there to be broken. Are you looking at it from your respects in terms of trying to find more speed or trying to find more endurance at the back end? 
that's hush hush. <laughs> I, I know I'm making that difficult, but I yeah, I definitely want to keep my cards close. As you said, this I like is that. Very, no, I actually like that answer. Yeah, it's definitely a um. As you said, it, we're all competitors. We might all love each other a bit on pool deck and and race together in that relay, but in the end, they're still my competitors, and I'm still trying to be the best in the pool. So. I'm not, I'm keeping my cards close and, and I will not be giving that away until race day. Do you, you're, you're definitely a stronger person from what you went through. Are you a better athlete or did you miss some time and you feel like that you're, you're, you know, you're just making up for, for what you missed, but like that, that period of time that you missed, did that hurt you athletically? No, I think in the end, uh, I am stronger fitter uh mentally stronger physically fitter um i think i'm a much better athlete all round because yeah nothing can break me honestly there's nothing mm, that mm. i can't stand behind those blocks i fought to be there you know as much respect as i have for every single person that stands behind those blocks i don't know anyone else who had to actually fight for their position there and for mm. me I stand behind those blocks and I can have my head held high that I fought. I continue to strive and I have every right to be standing behind those blocks because in the end, whether you agree with me or not, you know, in the end, I, I did two years time. I did a two year sentence. So right. um, there is no one who, ever, you know, there is no one who could say anything about me being behind those blocks. And in the end, it's, it's my lane and I don't have to share it with anyone. Who's the last Aussie female to win the hundred at the Olympics? Was it is it Jody Henry? Uh, the last Australian to win at the Olympics. Yeah, in the hundred. Emma McKeon. Oh, <laughs> uh, Emma McKeon won the hundred free at the Olympics. Yeah. Did she really? Definitely think she did. Yeah, I saw my God at the recent Olympics, twenty twenty one, Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. She won the hundred free, Emma McKeon. Yes. You really? might want to check that, but I definitely believe she did. If she, uh, hang, yeah, on, she, hang on a second. Emma McKeon won the 100 free in Tokyo? Yes. Really? Yeah, she's an Olympic champion. Really? Oh, so what, what hasn't she done? She just hasn't broken the world record. So. Yes. Why but am let's I not, like, let's not encourage that one. Why am I like losing my mind here? Like it's one o'clock in the morning, by the way. It's actually one thirty oh, in the morning. Stop. So. Oh no. Um, I definitely think again, unfortunately, because of COVID and the Olympics not having, you know, that atmosphere, and, and it was a different. It was a you know twenty twenty one Olympics, so it was moved to a year later. I do think, unfortunately, there wasn't as much uh, public hype about it. Um, and there was always like there was Australians left, right, and center doing amazing things. So I think it was hard to keep up with how many. Yeah, I definitely. She, she did win the hundred freestyle in Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she did. Listen, I'm forgiven. It's one thirty in the morning, everybody. You just back off, okay? Oh, All right. that was funny though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> she did win. Did yes. did she win? Did she win the fifty and the hundred? Uh, I believe so. Yes. It says it here that she won the fifty and the hundred. Yeah. Why am I? Why am I blank? Also part of the world record relay. Wow! Oh, she yeah. she cleaned house. Yeah, she oh. did amazing. Oh wow! Five golds. Oh my god. Okay. Jeez. Well, yeah. There you go. Yes. That yeah. Uh, well, that that is going to be a tough team to make. <laughs> you got you got some you got some girls that can swim. Holy well, look, hell. I definitely believe that if you are number one in Australia, I believe you are number one in the world. 
Oh, for sure. That, that's, yeah. That is oh, my, yeah. my opinion on that. Um, I think yeah. if you're number three in Australia, you're number three in the world. <laughs> and look, that's the toughest pill to swallow. If you are number three in Australia, you don't get that individual spot at the Olympics, you know, no matter what, even if you're not number three in the world, it, you won't get that bronze medal at the Olympics. So um, it is one of these things that you, you have to be one and two uh, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you're going to have a deadly relay team, that's for sure, which yeah. will be nice, you know. It will be. Yeah. Um, you you must be uh, excited about the fact of, of potentially swimming at an Olympics, right? Yeah, it's something that um, I definitely think about and I get kind of goosebumps and I get that, like, adrenaline pump when I actually think about it. Um it, you know, it might be about, I think, maybe 15 months away now. Um, and it's it's so exciting and it's going to go so quick. Like, you think this year's already going so quickly and, and you know, in a blink of an eye, world championships are going to be done. It's going to be Olympic prep straight up. So, um, yeah, it, it's really exciting to think that this could be potentially the Olympics that I didn't get to go to in 2021. And I guess I'll never know if I was going to make that team, but um, I'm really excited to give it my best shot and ensure that I get a spot in that team. Do you swim any other strokes or is it just freestyle? For you? <laughs> well, I can swim them, whether it's good <laughs> or bad. I don't know. Um, I can do backstroke at a, you know, an okay level. Um, mm -hmm, but okay. I guess when you're a freestyler, because if you are actually trying to be successful in the 50, 100 and 200, uh, like I am, um, you know, you could be swimming every single day at a Olympics or a world championships because you include relays. There's now the mixed relay, the medley relay, medley mixed relay, medley relay, freestyle relay, and then the two by um, four relay. So there's, I think about five relays you can make being a freestyler. Um, plus then the individual events of heat semifinals. So it's a it's a large program for a freestyle if you are actually there for you know those three sprint events. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Did you ever have any thoughts or um, ambitions to come to America and swim at all? <laughs> Look, <laughs> I actually had that thought during um, during my process. I thought, look. Maybe America is supporting me more than Australia is. I should just go <laughs> over there and represent America. Because yeah, yeah. um, it was, you know, when Travis Tiger uh, was quite supportive and, and very understanding right. of what I was going through, I I was definitely thinking about it. But then I realized I have yeah. to get citizenship for actually doing all that. <laughs> um, so I did think about it. I won't say no to that. And I won't lie. It was definitely a thought that potentially America would appreciate me more. Mm, um, yeah. But now that I'm back, obviously, back with Dean, back on the Australian team and back doing what I love, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. What about sponsors? What about people that are supporting you? Do you have a couple? I have amazing sponsors. So I um, had, you know, I actually had um, Motorama Jeep Springwood come on board when I was going through my process. And nice. I couldn't thank them enough for the fact that that actually allowed me to sell my car at the time and use all that money towards my case. And and I get to drive my dream car in the Jeep Wrangler. So wow. I'm not Very complaining. Cool. Um, nice. And I, um, during that time, um, Finise also has been a massive contributor, a massive support to me. So I was with them prior to actually, you know, going through that stage. And, and I actually told them before I told, before it became public because of that, you know, respect for them and ensuring that they knew exactly what was happening. Um, 
and they always checked in on me and made sure I was okay. Unfortunately, they couldn't be physically involved because of the rules I was under. Um, but as soon as I was back swimming, they were there supporting me the whole way and ensuring that I could do what I love, do what I love day in and day yeah. out. Um, so I couldn't, yeah. you know, they're one of the people that, you know, helped me come back. Um, and awesome. I have LSKD. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you'll know that one because I'm always wearing their gear, currently wearing it right now. There we go. Um, Boom always wearing it um so yeah they're they're my clothing you know gym wear um street wear absolutely love their stuff and absolutely love the community that they built they're actually over in america as well now which is amazing so i believe they've got a store in uh california which is exciting um nice. and they're continuing to expand and and for me to be part of their community they they've always been very open about the fact that you know they're not here to expect results they're here to support me to those results so that's great Again, going through everything that I've been through and coming out the other end, I'm really strict on who becomes, I guess, Team Jack um, because it was a learning curve of who actually would stand by me and, and, you know, support me. And so everyone I've spoken to and anyone, you know, coming on board in the future, it's always about supporting me as a human and as an athlete with a dream and anything that comes with that you know there's going to be good days there's going to be bad days and you're going to have to accept that that's part of being an athlete um so i honestly i couldn't thank the people that are involved in that and actually ensuring that i can do what i love day in and day out um yeah so that's it's, awesome it's, it's spectacular and it's it's i'm very blessed to have yeah you know, companies like that supporting me and, and believing in me and, and believing in me going through to paris so um i'm very lucky yeah, good for you. You seem to do a really good job with your own image and your own brand, and and that's that's cool. It's something that <laughs> yeah, it's something that everybody can learn from from you. Um, where where can people find you on social media? Um, so I am Shayna S H A Y N A underscore Jack J A C K. So I'll be I'm on Instagram, Twitter, um, and Facebook page. So cool. um, you can follow my journey, you know, through to Paris and and. I do post a lot about my own career. I also post a lot about my dogs and my birds. So if you're yeah. an animal lover, you'll see lots of that as well. Well, there's a lot of fight in you there, and I think you're a real role model. And I'm hoping that whatever the, the sum was, let's say it was $180,000 that you lost in this, I hope you make that back tenfold. <laughs> um, it's great that those companies are supporting you, but I want you, you to go and make a million dollars next year. That'd be great, all right? Oh, look, I wouldn't be complaining, but I, you know, for me, again, um, money is great, but in the end, it's it is all I all I want to do is be able to do what I do and yeah. you know commit to that. Um, in the past, when I first came back, I did have to work at the same time, and, and I'm sure lots of athletes yeah. have to do that. Which is, you know, it, we're very lucky as as swimmers to have support from potential sponsors or um, from the government that actually allows us to commit to our sport. And um, I'm I'm very grateful that I get to do that day in and day out and don't have to have a job anymore. Um, so if I can just keep doing that and living my life with a smile on my face, I'll be I'll be pretty happy. Do you think you have real dreams of LA in 28? I haven't ruled it out. Um, I think for me, getting through Paris is you know where my mind yeah. is because I guess. I've learned not to plan too far in the future anymore because um, right. things can change. You don't know what's going to happen. So 
for me, my eyes are on Paris and then I will reassess after Paris and see where I, I see myself going. Um, but it gives me a lot of confidence, you know, seeing Emma and Kate and Bronte and, and those girls yeah. who are, you know, more towards their 30s still going. Um, yeah. So that gives me that confidence that, you know what, I might not be done after Paris and I guess we'll have to wait and see. Awesome. Great story. Now you're on the phone, aren't you? You're on your phone recording I'm on my, this? I'm on my iPad. Oh, okay. Are you able to pick it up and show us the bird? Are we able to see the bird? Oh, yeah, sure. This is show Phoenix. Us, Phoenix. Show us Phoenix. <laughs> so this is Phoenix. Uh, oh, he, how cool. He, he, um, oh, he just pooped. <laughs> <laughs> so he, oh, I'll give you, he, he uh, talks, he says, where's Shana and what you doing? But I can guarantee he won't now because he's on camera. No, what kind of, what kind of bird is it? So he's a galah, so they're uh, native to Australia, um, right. but he is very, very intelligent and very, very needy, aren't you, boo? Um, and wow. he, um, yes, he's he's in love with his mum and constantly wants to be around. So and he just flies around. He doesn't fly around the house, no. Um, he sometimes can fly. He just kind of falls to the ground, but um, he <laughs> usually just sits on top of his cage and does his own thing. And hmm. sometimes he'll come and join me down on the couch, but um. Yeah, he's that's cool. He's pretty cool. He's going on the back of my chair now. That's he awesome. Hey, boo. Um, but yes, he's a very good boy. Hey, yeah, he's Say a star. Hi. Look at him. He loves it. We loves know. the camera. <laughs> he actually does. He always tries to like walk towards the camera. <laughs> well, that was the noise in the background. If anyone was wondering what the noise yeah, was. Yeah, sorry, like. guys. It would have been loud as well because when he does that in my ear, oh, it's very loud. <laughs> No, it's all good. Well, listen, I appreciate this. And thank you for saying no to the, the questions that were uh, prying. But um, <laughs> no, no, it was good. It was good. It was good. But uh, no, no, I really appreciate you doing this. It's very nice to meet you. I'm glad we got it done. And uh, and, and how long until the trials now? Uh, so it's seven weeks as of uh, Wednesday, I believe, uh, is when we start. So, And they're in um, Melbourne? Yes, they're in Melbourne. So we actually head to Cairns in two weeks for a training camp and that'll just be, you know, hard work, head down, focus on training and, um, yeah, we'll then head to Melbourne and see what happens. Awesome. Well, good luck. We'll be watching, we'll be cheering <laughs> and um, say hi to Dean for me, all right? I will. Thank you so much for the chat. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 for a double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout, destromachines.com.